How are you when someone is angry and in your face? Do you react with anger? How can we be with someone else's and our own anger? Your Mindful Life Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Mary Slocum. This week, we're exploring how to be mindful in an angry world, how to be when others are angry, and how to be when we're angry. Last month, a woman was putting the finishing touches on her organization's float for the local Memorial Day parade. When a man approached her, he came right up to her and said, you're my enemy, and strode away. What's happening here? When mindful, we practice non-injury. Non-injury is simply not hurting ourselves or others. The angry man saying, you're my enemy, injures the woman by threatening her and he injures himself by clinging to anger. And all those who see this scenario unfolding or hear about it are also injured unless we are able to process it skillfully. Hearing the story, a deep sadness came over me. And as I sat with this sadness, I also acknowledged that I was angry that underneath my sadness was anger. I didn't like this man. I didn't like what he was feeling. I didn't like what he was expressing in his speech and in his actions. I didn't like anything about it or him, and I was suffering. And this was my starting point. How can this be that one member of a community calls another member of the community my enemy? How can it be that on this day, when here in the United States, we honor the military service members who have given their lives for our country and us, that one American would call another American my enemy? Surely there is anger and something more beneath the anger. It's said that people who show anger in a group are coming from either a position of power or of weakness, and that in either case, a skillful approach is to uncover their vulnerability that's underneath the anger. How we do this is with equanimity feeling neither for or against the person, and by taking them aside and listening to them open-heartedly. By listening deeply, their vulnerability will show itself and provide a place to meet, a common ground on which to heal. We don't always have this opportunity, though, not for a face-to-face meeting. So how can we be with this injury? Equanimity, that balanced mind that is neither grasping nor pushing away, 
that balanced mind that is non-judging, that balanced mind that often eludes us. Equanimity isn't a relinquishing of our values. Anger that leads to hateful speech and action is not skillful. It arises out of confusion and delusion. Equanimity says there is unskillful action and speech here that doesn't serve the man or anyone else. And equanimity says, don't judge the man. Respond. Respond without emotion rather than react. So I ask myself, what state of mind creates this kind of unskillful behavior? This behavior shown by this man to the woman readying the float for the Memorial Day parade. Social science says that when people feel a threat to their identity and origins, they can easily lash out or be easily induced to lash out with disproportionate force. Does this man feel his identity is being threatened? That the world doesn't see him? Accept him? Is this the delusion he's operating under? Maybe yes and maybe no. Culturally, we're deeply habituated to self-centered ways of being. And here I'm talking about the small self, that self that feels separate, unsafe, and ungrounded. Recently, I've heard commentators lament our lack of empathy for one another, our lack of being able to feel what the other is feeling. Our dog-eat-dog culture values ruthlessness, violence, non-restraint, and a throwing over of ethics, honesty, and caring. We do what we want to do and say what we say, even if what we do or say harms others and ourselves because we're confused. We mistakenly believe that this dog-eat-dog mentality serves us, puts us on the top rather than the bottom, puts us in the center rather than at the fringes, that exalts us in front of everyone else. The affliction causing this man's attitude and the mode of behavior may just be a lack of felt belonging, which violates his sense of authenticity. Or it may be the perception of exclusion which creates the anger. When we feel excluded, we feel rejected. And that rejection creates a violent reaction sometimes. It's as though the part of us that feels excluded willfully excludes others in the hopes that this will bring relief to that part of us that feels excluded. Or maybe it is both a lack of felt belonging, and the perception of exclusion. When we see the world in terms of scarcity rather than abundance, we feel it is me against them or them against me. It's my group against their group. Our evolutionary need to belong to a social group manifests in this kind of conflict. The mind state that my survival depends on me and my group winning out against you and your group shows itself because in a world of scarcity, 
Only those with superior survival skills will survive, and we must survive at all cost. This man and others like him may be caught up in these delusions of feeling separate, not understood, not valued, not belonging, not seen or heard. We know that we are all interconnected, and since we're all interconnected, those among us who move about in the world in a mental state of confusion and with a mental attitude of scarcity are also part of us. How do we respond? Are we passive? Do we shout back? Do we turn our backs? Are we indifferent? How do we respond? Bringing an understanding of what may be motivating the action doesn't solve for anything, but it may help to bring discernment. What we watch for is mistakenly deciding what is going on with someone rather than deeply listening to them. Discernment comes by understanding how, in a general sense, these phenomena manifest. So when we listen, we can discern whether any of these are present. They may or may not be. The act of listening deeply without judgment is a skillful and mindful means that we can bring to the situations like these that arise in our experience. And it seems that more and more, these kinds of angry situations are arising more and more. Deep listening requires equanimity and loving-kindness. So we first develop equanimity and kindness. Mindfully, we sit with the unpleasantness, knowing that we have no control over what unfolds around us in the world, but we do have a choice in how we respond. So when I sit I feel the unpleasantness of the situation. I recognize it, acknowledge it, and I ask myself, can I be with this just as it is without reacting? Can I be with this from my true self that is spacious, open, grounded, secure, and loving? Yes, I can. I can sit mindfully, allowing the sensations, feelings, and thoughts to arise and pass away without reacting to them. And when I do this, I sense my mind settling, settling. It's calm, still, and even. It's open and free. And from this place, I can discern a way forward that includes both my formal practice of mindfulness, manifesting in the practice of loving kindness and equanimity, and also in my day-to-day living, which includes deep listening and open-hearted acceptance of those whose actions may be harmful and ignorant, but who underneath are simply yearning to be heard, and to be seen. 
So when I am the woman on the float, I will respond rather than react. I remember my teacher, Joseph Goldstein, giving a talk on the practice of loving kindness. He told how when he had been on retreat a long time ago in India or Burma, he would spend whole days in loving kindness meditation. When it came time to dedicate his practice to expressing loving kindness for a neutral person, someone for whom he had neither positive nor negative feelings, he chose a gardener whom he would see every day on his way to the meditation hall. He shared how at first, repeating the phrases of loving kindness felt rote. But as he kept on, hour after hour, day after day, the phrases and their meaning took on life. And how suddenly he felt enormous love for this man, this simple gardener whom he did not know. And we know from our practice of loving kindness that it develops our love. It develops our kindness for others and also ourselves. And we know from our practice that we begin with someone who is friendly, someone who is a mentor or benefactor, and then we move on to someone we are close to, but with whom we might have occasional conflict, like a friend or a family member. And then we move to a neutral person, and then to a difficult person, someone with whom we have conflict. Like the man saying, you are my enemy. And finally, we move to all beings everywhere. This is the way of mindfulness, recognizing what's happening in the world around us and responding in a mindful way that's loving, that's non-judging. So we invite the man saying, you are my enemy, into our loving kindness practice, not for a day, but every day until our love and kindness unfolds, because we know from Joseph it takes time and practice for the heart to fully open and connect. So I invite you to collective action, to this practice every day, every day for the next month, and let me know how it goes. Thank you for listening. I'm pleased to announce that beginning now, you can become a member of the podcast through Patreon. If you're moved to support the show, become a member by joining at patreon.com slash your mindful life. That's patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash your mindful life, all one word. And as always, please subscribe or follow and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. 
as I'm grateful to you, my listeners. I'm also grateful for the people behind the scenes that make the podcast possible. Ali Allen for logo and podcast cover design. Gorgias Romero for composing the original music, audio engineering and production. Bill Rafferty for technical web support. And Margaret Haas for announcing the show. Be well, be mindful. Be mindful.